Good evening. What a wonderful afternoon we have to worship our God. Tonight I will be the oldest one you see up here. I usually am, but tonight it's true. We have our young men going to speak to us tonight. They're going to lead our songs. They're going to read us scripture. And we get to hear what they've learned from God's words that they can talk to us about. It's always good to have young men that are dedicated to God and their service. And it shows us maybe sometimes our dedication that we used to have that we should have again. This evening, I hope you'll join in with them in songs and prayer but in everything that we serve God this evening and serve him and do his will. I'll now turn it over to the young men. Number 781. Thank you, Lord. For all that you've done, I will for this opportunity to open up your word and to learn from it. Please help everyone at this time to focus their minds on you, Lord, and to listen with an open heart and an open mind. Lord, please help us to always be lights in this world and to know that when we fall short, you you will always be there for us. Please be with those who are sick and not able to be be here with us tonight and help them to get better and to be here at the next appointed time. Thank you for loving us unconditionally. And most of all, thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for our sins. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our next song will be from the Blue Book, and that is number one, Ancient Words. Holy
Jesus draw me ever new. Jesus draw me. Psalm 67 this evening. Psalm 67. To the chief musician on stringed instruments, a psalm of song. God be merciful to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. That your way may be known to all the earth, your salvation among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let the peoples praise you. O let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you shall judge the people righteously and govern the nations on all the earth. 
Let the peoples praise you, O God, let the peoples praise you. Then the earth shall yield her increase. God our own God shall bless us. God shall bless us. To all the ends of the earth shall fear him. Good evening. It's been really great to be here with you all this evening and to sing songs that have been uplifting to me and I'm sure all of you. And it's truly amazing to be here in a place with people who want to serve God in spirit and in truth. And I'd also like to thank the elders and Jeremy and John for giving all of us young men this opportunity to be here and to gain experience as leading in worship and also to help think about our roles as helping lead the church in the future and I'd like to thank them for that. And I've been thinking about this responsibility that all of us have and that us specifically as young men that we're growing into as helping to lead the church in the future and sometimes when I dig into scripture especially when I know the standards that are set forth for me I can feel like sometimes I don't live up to those standards. I can see the faith of the Old Testament heroes and the love of Christ, and I know that sometimes I don't live up to that standard. But I know that God knows that, and because of that, he set forth examples for us in Scripture, and one of my favorite examples are the Israelites. The Israelites, they countlessly fall short of God's commandments, but they put their faith in him again, and he's able to lead them to victory. So the first question that I'd like everyone to ask themselves tonight is this. How do I respond to God's work in my life? When I see his hand, whether in other people who are trusting him and serving him, how do I respond? When I see his power in nature, and when I see the relationships that others have, with him and with others and acting in love? Do I respond with joy and excitement? Or do I hide away? Because even though we would all want to say, I enjoy God's presence and it brings me hope and peace, sometimes it doesn't always feel like that in the moment. So to see that play out for the Israelites, let's all turn to Exodus chapter 5, if you would. So, In the beginning of Exodus chapter 5, Moses and Aaron go and they tell Pharaoh, as is commanded to them by God, they say, let our people go. And Pharaoh is furious. He says no, and he makes the work of the Israelites even harder. It's impossibly difficult for them to get their tasks done. And the Israelites, they're not happy. They They go to Moses and Aaron, and in verse 21, they say to them, Let the Lord look on you and judge, because you have made us abhorrent in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants to put a sword in their hand to kill us. Those are harsh words. The Israelites are upset. They're in a spot that doesn't look good from a physical standpoint. Their work is impossibly difficult, and they're slaves in a land that's not theirs. They're working for a king that won't satisfy them, and they don't have any way out. For me, I know that sounds familiar because that's where I was before God found me. And it's where they are now, and they don't have any hope 
of a future. And it's a terrible place to be. But over the next few chapters, God shows them who he is. He sends the plagues to Egypt, and the Israelites begin to see who he is, and they gain faith and trust in him. So if you turn over to Exodus chapter 14, they're delivered from their oppressors and the Egyptians, but as they're fleeing, Pharaoh changes his mind, and he sends his army after them. And as every little kid could tell us, they go through the Red Sea, and God delivers them, and Pharaoh's army is destroyed behind him. In Exodus 14, verse 31, here's what they say. Thus Israel saw the great work which the Lord had done in Egypt. So the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. Then Moses and the children of Israel sang this song to the Lord and spoke, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea. Israel was in a bad situation. They were hopeless, and they were lost, and they were slaves in a land that wasn't theirs. But they've been delivered from that situation. And they know who to give credit to for that. They know that it's not them who's fought their way out of Egypt or anything like that. They say, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. That's the power that we can have when we see what God does in our lives instead of trying to work our way out of our own situations. They can now rejoice in God's presence and not revile it because they see him in their lives. And then the next question that I'd like us to ask ourselves is this. Do I trust in God's promises? So if we'd all turn to 2 Kings chapter 6, God reminds us that he's always with his people. So for context, the nation of Syria is at war with the nation of Israel. And the king of Syria knows that Elisha is helping the king of Israel, and so he sends his great army to Elisha's city. So starting in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 14. Therefore he, that's the king of Syria, sent horses and chariots and a great army there, and they came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God rose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And the servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? So we answered, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. That's amazing to me, because to the servant of Elisha, this looked like a lost cause. There was the army of God, but he couldn't see it. But Elisha prays for him, and he says, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. God grants this request, and he opens the eyes of the young man, and he sees. And how amazing is that to think that God is always with his people. He protects his children, and he gives his people someone to lean on. But today, God doesn't protect us with with chariots and horses of fire. He protects us with our faith. He guards us with something better. That's his eternal promises. So if we turn to 1 Peter chapter 1, we can see that God guards us by our faith. So starting in verse 3 of 1 Peter chapter 1, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope 
through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. This gives me hope as a Christian, because even though I might fall short, God still wants to have a relationship with me, and when I put my faith in him, I know that I'm guarded by him. At the end of verse 4 and verse 5, it says, You who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Despite our shortcomings, if we put our faith in God, he will keep our souls so we can be victorious with him. Thank you. will be number 16 in your blue books, which there are no slides for. Uh, number 16, Sanctuary. Oh Lord, prepare me Uh, practicing and with John 
and that was in front of five people, and I was pretty nervous. So you can only imagine what I'm feeling right now. But uh, no, it's great to be up here, and I appreciate you guys listening so well. Um, so when John asked if I wanted to preach this evening, I began to think um, of something that I wanted to hear. So I began to think, what's an event in my life and in the lives of the other kids here my age at Trader's Point that we're about to go through? And that's college. Um, some of you may be going to work. It's 2024, new jobs. Some of you younger kids may be going to middle school and high school. But I realized that the most important things that I needed to pack, I began to think, what's the most important things I needed to pack for? So to fill my trunk up, number one, I needed to bring my PS5. I love video games. Uh, Number two, it's a Costco-sized huge box of goldfish. And number three, um, this was, I was a little hesitant on this one, but I'm going to eventually need a toothbrush, so. No, but uh, in reality, I realized that the most important things that uh, I needed to pack were my spiritual supplies. Um, I know we're all very conscious and aware of physical backpacks and supplies that we take with us every day, but we need to be asking ourselves, um, what are those spiritual things that we're implementing into our daily lives? Um, these are the most important things that we need to be taking with us into our life and our walk with Christ. Um, so there's a lot we could go over through tonight. Um, I just have three points I want to bring to the table and that we can make a part of our routine every day. And again, this lesson is not just for college students. Um, it's for those going back into work. Um, it's for those who just have a backpack and want to bring those supplies with you every day um, that we can make a good routine out of. And a quick thank you to John, Jeremy, and the elders for allowing me and Campbell and all the young men to be up here. Campbell, you guys did great. You young men, you guys did a good job. So before I know it, I'm going to be packing for college. I'm going to have to fill up the back of my car. What do I need to be packing for college? first thing I need to pack is a suitcase of balance. College, school, and work, it can get busy and it can get hectic. We commit significant time to several different activities and we can easily end up taking on too much. We start to feel stressed or anxious or overworked. Um, I know this firsthand from basketball season. I'm at school for seven to eight hours a day. I have a two-hour practice after school. I got to come home I got to do some homework assignments that are due that evening or the next morning, and I'm just exhausted. I want to go home, just relax, and I just want to chill out. Forgetting to make a daily habit of this can pull our attention away from God and the work that we need to be doing for Him. If you would turn over to Matthew 6, 33 through 34. says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. In this passage, God is telling us to seek him first and make him a priority. 
He will make sure we have everything we need. And in this situation, in my situation, um, maybe instead of waiting to come home after school and practice to have that prayer time or to finish my lesson, maybe um, a couple minutes before I wake up for school or maybe a half hour, I set aside that, I set aside that time to talk to God, maybe to get my lesson done. That way it's the first thing I do, and I set my day off in the right direction. Like high school, college, we will, we will be filled with study and class time, and it can be even more demanding with class studies, homework, reading, etc. And these activities can take up, up a, take up a lot of our time. So another passage I want to look at is in Ecclesiastes 12, verse 12. My son, beware of anything beyond these, of making many books. There is no end, and much study is a weariness of the flesh. Don't get me wrong. Reading, studying, educating ourselves, it's great. But God warns us through Solomon that we can get carried away with all of this. And it can become dangerous if that's the only thing we're focused on. Making worldly wisdom and knowledge our priority can be dangerous. Our main focus should be seeking the wisdom of Christ. Of course, there are verses in Philippians and Proverbs that say to work hard and be diligent in all you do, but God wants us to find balance. God needs to be our number one priority. So I've packed away my suitcase of balance, and there's more room in my trunk. So the next thing I'm bringing with me to college is a duffel bag of fellowship. A possible stumbling block for those that go out of state or away from their home church is to not get involved with the sound church. It can be easy to become isolated, and it may take a little bit to meet new friends. Maybe you're focused on studies or extracurricular activities that take most of your time. This can be an easy distraction in our life. Um, Let's look at Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Uh, This passage is telling us that being with church, being in the church, is God's way of holding us accountable and getting encouragement from others. In 1 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 12, we see that God tells us that we have all all our parts in the congregation and we shouldn't distance ourselves from the church body. If you would, turn over to 1 Corinthians. We're going to go ahead and read that passage. Starting in verse 12, we'll go down to 27. For just as the body is one and has many members in all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But but as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. 
If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Right here in Corinthians, it's telling us that attending a local church and becoming involved, it can open up a whole new opportunity and a whole new group of friends to be involved with. Speaking of friends, the last thing I want to take with me to college is a backpack of like-minded friends. The crowd of people you are surrounding with at college, maybe work, school, it can be very intimidating. There's a lot more opportunities to be swayed or even to sway other people. Let's look at Hebrews 3, 12 through 13. Take care, brothers, lest there be any of you in an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. This tells us that we need to be careful who we are with and how we can help each other. So let's make an effort to seek those type of people out in our lives. Several other passages I want to take a look at um, let's first let's flip over to First Thessalonians five eleven. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. Now, if you would flip over to Ecclesiastes four nine through ten. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Finally, let's look at 1 Corinthians 15.33. Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Let's prioritize hanging out with those who can help us grow in our faith, not cause us to stumble. New jobs and college especially is a place where, ma where many start to go down the wrong path or even fall away. We can actually use this time to our advantage to become even closer to God. Packing these things in our spiritual bag and showing up with these things daily can signal to others what is most important in our lives and what should be the priority in theirs. We have a unique opportunity at this time to let our light shine. The final passage I want to look at is in Matthew 5, 14 through 16. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, 
so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. These are just a few of many things that that can help us in our walk with God when going to school and work. And hopefully you guys got something out of this lesson that you could implement into your life. Um, Campbell and I are grateful for your attention. We appreciate you guys listening so well. And usually this is the time where we would love to extend an invitation. Um, if there's anyone here tonight who is, would like to speak to someone about some sin in their lives, um, maybe some other spiritual matters, maybe you're not packing those spiritual things in your backpack like we should be, um, we're here for you and we would love to talk to you. Please come down to the front as we stand and as we sing. Why keep Jesus waiting, waiting in the cold? He will bury gently, gently soothe his soul.
pray with me. Dear God, our Father in heaven, God, thank you for giving us the opportunity to be able to worship you tonight, and thank you for letting the young men lead your service. God, please help us to remember all the examples you've given us in the Bible of people with strong faith, and please help us to be encouraged by not only them, but also by each other. And God, please help us to remember that you're the priority in our life, and please let our light shine for the rest of this week. We love you, and in Jesus' name, amen.